take a look at those finishes you've done and look at the final photo. And now look at the real patient and see, do they look similar or do they look different? I'm willing to wager you're gonna see what I've seen, which is that what you see in real life does not mimic what you see in the photo. This, this, this is the Orthopreneur Show with Glenn Krieger, talking about the things you never learned in school, like marketing, management, and leadership. Hello there, everybody. It's Dr. Glenn Krieger here with another edition of your 5-Minute Friday. Now, today, I'm going to talk a little bit about restorative and prosthodontics and periodontics and all that fun stuff that all orthodontists just absolutely love talking about. Now, I had an opportunity recently to spend some time at the podium with Dr. David Sarver at a three-day course in Fort Lauderdale on surgical orthodontics. Now, it was not recorded, but I did have an opportunity to speak to him a great deal while there was downtime. And that man is remarkable. His understanding of pros and perio as an orthodontist is remarkable. But I want to talk to you a little bit today, and over the next few weeks, I want to talk to you a little bit about prosthodontic work, periodontic work, the kind of stuff that's going to help set you apart. Because if you're listening to this and you're an orthodontist, you are probably a better, better hand skill, probably better understanding in many respects of restorative dentistry than many restorative dentists out there. You graduated near the top of your class. We know that, which meant you couldn't fake it when it came to restorative dentistry. Now, oddly, the overwhelming majority of orthodontists hate restorative dentistry. When I talk to them, they say, oh my God, if I had to do restorative dentistry for the rest of my life, I'd kill myself. And it's kind of sad, but as part of our finishing, we need to consider restorative dentistry and part of our treatment planning. And that's what my conversations with David Sarver helped me refine and other people out there over the years. And if you've watched me on social media, you know that I'm not afraid to pick up a burr. You know I'm not afraid to pick up composite. You know I'm not afraid to pick up denture teeth or a laser or anything I need to do to finish cases appropriately. So let's talk about this a little bit. And in the coming I don't know, three, four weeks, we're going to talk a little bit more about this because uh, we have David Sarver speaking at Orthopreneurs University for four and a half hours on March 25th. You don't have to be there live to watch it as long as you register and you can click the link that's attached to this post. As long as you register, you have 90 days to watch it as many times as you want and take notes. And one of the options you'll have is to do it for your notes when you register, which are literally almost word for word notes to help you better understand what's going on. But let's talk a little bit about a couple of things. Let's talk about prosthetics. So we'll jump into someone has a lateral incisor on one side and they have agenesis or a missing lateral incisor on the other side. What are you doing? Now, I've gotten my fair share of cases, uh, some transfers, where the central incisor is being brought into the lateral position. And I would tell you from a pros perspective, this is a major no-no. Your lateral incisor on one side will never, ever, ever, ever look like the cuspid on the other side. And I don't need to tell you this. And I know the overwhelming majority of people listening would never do that. But it does underscore what Vince Kokich spoke about many years ago, which is if you have a cuspid that comes into the lateral position, just distalize it. Put it back in its cuspid position and you will have spectacular lamellar bone in the area of the cusp of lateral for an implant, or if you want to do connective tissue grafting and do a Maryland bridge, or whatever you want to do there with the prosthodontist or restorative dentist, just know that by putting the cuspid back where it began, we know there'll be great bone there that will stay around for quite some time. So if you've got a 15-year-old patient and you push the cuspid back and you had great bone there, it's going to stay. And they're probably not going to have to do a bone graft when the time comes. 
So simple things like this, in terms of the decisions we make, are going to impact people the rest of their life. And I want to bring something up here that I think is important to talk about. And it's the camera. Now, no, 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 I'm not going to talk to you about photography. Although, you know, I love clinical photography and you should take my clinical photography course at Orthopreneurs University. But I would love to see somebody do a master's thesis on the real representation of photos relative to real life. And what I mean by that is there have been some great studies out there. I think one of the landmark ones was, you know, Vince Kokich Jr., who did that great study on midlines and cans and things like that. And what does the average person understand it as? What does the dentist understand it as? What does the orthodontist see it as when we have midline discrepancies and what have you? And I firmly believe, firmly believe that what looks good in a photo doesn't necessarily look good in real life. I've seen some amazing post-op finishes in photos that don't really look good when people smile when I see them in real life. My own cases, I'm not talking about other people. You know, I look in the picture, I go, wow, this looks amazing. And it's not about the smile line. It's not about where the lip goes. It's about real life versus photo. You know, they always joke and say, oh, the camera adds 10 pounds. Or, you you know, if you're going to be on camera like I am right now, you need to be 30% more gregarious because the camera is going to steal some of your personality. Uh, and all these little sayings, I think it's the same when it comes to photos of patients. Nobody ever talks about this. And I firmly believe that what we can get away with in photos doesn't necessarily mean we can get away with it in real life. And I've seen cuspid substitutions that look amazing in photos that when I see them in real life look horrible. And so I think we need to pay a lot of attention to the macro and the micro aesthetics of what we do and look at them with the naked eye. It's great to see the stuff we share in Facebook groups and online, but I think the photos steal a lot of the realistic outcomes from making them look better than they really are. And if you don't believe me, start doing it with your own stuff. And that's my charge to you, is take a look at those finishes you've done and look at the final photo. And now look at the real patient and see, do they look similar or do they look different? I'm willing to wager you're going to see what I've seen, which is that what you see in real life does not mimic what you see in the photo. And the photo is almost always more flattering, unless it's a patient full face photo. And then we always know that the clinical images we take of people's faces never, ever look as good as they do. But when it comes to the smile, tooth shape, tooth alignment, I'm telling you, what we see in a lot of publications, what we see in a lot of presentations, what we see online, what we see in our own work, doesn't pass muster in real life. And Nobody talks about it, but I would love for us to start that conversation at some point. And so all of the things we talk about in terms of outcomes or uh, treatment planning, we really need to know what we're doing. And that means macro and micro aesthetics. And that's one of the things that David Sarver is going to be talking about when he does his Orthopreneurs University course on the 25th. And again, you don't need to be there in person, but I think we owe it to our patients knowing that all of us have the skill. We owe it to our patients to sort of drive the discussion of what should cases look like when they're done. And when I work with my restorative dentist, I almost always tell them what it should look like. Uh, again, that comes from 20 years of restorative dentistry, but you can do the same thing. Learn where gingival margins should be, learn where embrasures should be, learn tooth shapes, learn smile lip lines and uh, smile design, if you will, 
And then you'll have a much easier life when you tell the restorative dentist where things should be. But remember, be honest with yourself, evaluate your work fairly, look at photos and real life, and you'll start seeing what I'm talking about, and register for this course with David Sarver. It is going to blow you away what this man can teach you in a four and a half hour. And plus, you get five hours of CE. What more could you ask for? So looking forward to seeing you there. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about a few things related to micro and macro aesthetics to help get you ready for this course and get you excited about it. And just to help you in your practice, even if you don't take the course. Wish you a great day and take care.